Welcome to C-Talk, a podcast about pedagogy sponsored by the Council for Excellence in Teaching and Learning at Illinois Wesleyan University. I'm your host, Kate Brown, and in today's episode, I talk with educational studies professor Penny Gray about her experiences teaching online for the first time, how she engages students on Zoom, and what technologies she's excited about keeping when students return to the in-person classroom. Well, Penny, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of C-Talk. We're really excited to have you here. Uh, You have been really actively engaged in online teaching and learning since we, definitely since we went to the, what we're calling the emergency mode of of 2020. But uh, I'd love to know, what has your experience been with online teaching and learning prior to pandemic times? And how, how would you define that at that point when you started working online? Yeah, that's a a good question. I think like most people, I had almost no experience with online teaching. I had a little bit with online learning. I had one grad class that was online Um, and it wasn't a terrible experience, but I really didn't pay much attention to how the class was structured or the tools that the professor used simply because I didn't think it would ever be anything I was expected to do myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like most of us on campus, uh, when the emergency um, was declared and we all had to pivot to an online platform, I just scrambled like everyone else um, because I just didn't have, I didn't have that experience as a student really to speak of or as a teacher. Yeah, that's a really great point. There's this term in technology called black boxing where a lot of technology purposefully keeps how it's made from users. So Apple does that a lot where you just, you start clicking and tapping and things start happening, but you don't really know how that's working on the back end. It sounds like that's a similar experience for the online learning that you had, you know, being a student, but not necessarily knowing how everything was working. Yeah, that's a really exactly. great point. Yeah, and, and if you don't have to think about it and you don't have to consider that, then you don't because we have plenty of other things to keep ourselves busy. Um, so I think for a lot of us, it was uh, uh, just, you know, a, and a, a huge immersion, um, you know, learning to swim while we're thrown in the deep end, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And what was your experience with learning how to do this? I mean, was there something that you, a resource that you turned to or a certain thing you wanted to know about first? I think for me, I had already used Moodle quite a bit, so I was real comfortable with that, you know, for our LMS. But um, I think my biggest concern was just navigating the kind of synchronous classes, the online platform. I think we started with Google Meet and then we migrated to Zoom. Uh, some people still use Google Meet. Um, so really kind of learning how to recapture that relationship with students. And I think we were lucky because we already had had our students in class. We already knew them. We had already established a classroom community of sorts. And so I think that was really helpful. So it was a matter of finding a platform that would allow us to maybe continue with that throughout the rest of the semester. So that was my first priority. And I watched a lot of videos. the woman who does the videos for Zoom, I'm trying to think, maybe her name is Thera. 
I think I've watched every video she's made that shows you how to do things on Zoom. Probably. <laughs> Big Farrah fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, just out of necessity, you know, just watching how to do different things using the tools that are available on Zoom. And then I um, called in the troops. I called in my colleagues and, and we all kind of got together. I don't know that I called them in. I think we all kind of reached out to each other simultaneously and said, hey, let's practice with each other. So we had some practice sessions uh, at the very beginning of this, just how do you share your screen? Can you hear the video? Um, how do you set up breakout rooms? Just so we could practice on each other. And that really was the biggest part that carried me through the rest of the semester. Um, and then I did the online class on online teaching um, that Wesleyan um, sponsored and that was tremendously helpful as well and of course you Kate uh, oh, thank and, and, you <laughs> and your CTEL uh, colleagues have been um, extraordinarily helpful as well well that's great to hear though that's what we're here for and that's yeah. fantastic yeah you've so, been doing amazing work yeah I'm hearing a lot of different learning modes you know watching the video talking with others you know having that that motivation to learn different kinds of skills and then taking that into a more measured with the with the foot course and you know really stepping back and saying okay how do we want to put all of these pieces together which that course i know has has some reading and writing and different ways of of communicating i think it's really interesting here at wesleyan the culture around what constitutes a classroom experience online is that that push towards synchronous you know that's kind of what i think everyone thought of is well we have a, an in-person classroom experience and we need to replicate that as much as possible online um, and in many ways that is that is not what a lot of people think of when they think of online learning it's more of that correspondence school style asynchronous all the students are going through the course on their own uh, which was certainly my experience in the oh, early 2000s when I was taking courses. It was go to the library and get on the computer and sort of muddle my way through the course, which is not always a one-to-one -one learning experience. So I know you've put a lot of effort into curating that student engagement and that student experience. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you mentioned that, you know, in the spring, in 20, spring 2020, you had already met your students. You knew who they were. You had, you had a, a class dynamic sort of happening that were moving online. In the fall, though, if you're teaching online, you've not met any of these folks in person. So can you talk a little bit about how that experience differed from spring to fall? Yeah, and, and that really was something I tried to think about and be really intentional about was building the community. Um, so one of the, the three courses I taught in the fall was on solely online. Um, the other two were in person, but ended up really being hybrid um, most of the time. But um, I, I decided that at the beginning of every class, I would do a warm up. So it might be just a quick question. It might be uh, taking the temp of the room, it might be any number of things. Um, and I even had students before the class started send me kind of three interesting facts about themselves. And I know people hate it when you ask them to do that. So <laughs> I sent that request, I think, with my apologies. But then I used that um, in the breakout rooms, 
with that class at the very beginning of the semester, I would send them to a breakout room that I had already kind of pre-designed. And I would say the person who, the, who's going to be your facilitator in your breakout room is the person who's been to Columbia or oh. the person who's the facilitator is the one who has three dogs and will show you pictures or the real dog or you know whatever. And so I use those kinds of things just to kind of help them get to know each other a little bit. Um, when I send them into breakout rooms, a lot of times I say, the first thing I want you to do is talk about, and it'd be something kind of innocuous, your favorite movie or whatever. So spend about a minute talking about that, compare notes, and then jump into the content. Um, so that they, I just intentionally built in opportunities for them to get to know each other a little bit. Um, and then of course, as they arrive, I, I always, I mean, this will certainly age me, but I remember Romper Room and there was this magic mirror that yeah. the woman hosting Romper Room and she'd say, I see Kate and I see Penny and she'd say, <laughs> Uh, and that's what it feels like when students arrive at your your online class. You know, they they hop in and I say, oh, good morning, so-and-so. Good to see you. And hi, so-and-so. Hey, is that your cat in the background? Let's see it, you know, or whatever. And so to try to keep some conversation going before the class even started, um, I think was, was kind of helpful instead of just that awkward silence. Um, so those were some of the things I did. I did a lot of small group low or no stakes kinds of things with the students as well. And I think that helped because it really was just about talking to each other about the content, working your way through the content together. I'm not attaching a grade to this. I just want you to talk um, and then come back and, and share any insights you came up with. So those kinds of things, um, I think, seem to help. They seemed like a nice group. They seemed like they were, you know, happy to be there. So for the most part. Um, so, so I think it worked fairly well. Now, are these, in these classes, are they majors who may have known each other from before or more gen ed style classes? Yeah, so the one that I had online, solely online this fall was um, a gen ed. So it offered an AV um, and it was educational perspectives on homelessness. So um, there were quite a few education majors. I would say, I don't know, maybe a third were education majors, but I had quite a few from other majors as well. So they didn't really know each other. Um, and that I think helped because there weren't already these kind of little clicks and kind of people in the know and people not in the know based on prior coursework. Although there was a little bit of that. There were times that we would talk about a concept and. Um, the ed students would bring up concepts we had talked about in prior coursework or theories that we had talked about and talk about how they apply. But those were really um, kind of kept to a minimum because um, the content was so new to most of them. That's great. Now, we're definitely going to share some of your top tips and techniques in our show notes here. But if, if you were going to advise a fellow faculty member on using some of these techniques, how how much time do you think was extra or was there any difference between the techniques that you might have used in uh, an in-person class to increase that engagement versus online? And if, if you had to do it all again, you know, what, what does that prep look like for you? I think, um, I think going forward, the prep would be easier, but at the time it was more prep because I, I had to use some different kinds of tools. So I would use like um, a Padlet 
right? I might say, mm -hmm. okay, go out there and find an image that reflects whatever, right? Um, and post it to the Padlet or um, post to the Padlet a quote that, you know, in a Padlet, just for anyone who hasn't used it, is just basically a, a blank uh, web page, you know, that, that students can add things to and maybe thumbs up other people's things. Um, and so I had to kind of teach myself how to use those kinds of tools, how to use Answer Garden, which creates a word cloud, which is ridiculously simple. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, <laughs> then, uh, and so some of those tools took some time and I had to rethink a little bit, um, like there may have been a film that I normally would have watched during class and would have maybe stopped periodically and had them discuss some things and then come back to the film or whatever. So I had to do that differently. I had to have them watch the film maybe outside of class or I might even wrap up class early to give them time to watch the film. Or even if it were a short clip, I might um, have them, I oftentimes if I had a short, like a 10 minute clip I wanted them to watch, I would have them turn off their video and their volume, go watch it. We'd all leave each other alone for 10 minutes and then come back, turn your camera back on and let's talk about what you all just watched and what your response was to that. Um, so it took some uh, learning of the tools and some rethinking of how to deliver the content. But I think going forward, it, it wouldn't be quite so daunting because now I feel like I can use those different tools fairly easily. So, and I just am learning how to use perusal. Um, and I know other colleagues on campus use that and I yeah. just discovered it. Um, <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. And I think that'll be really helpful too. Yeah, and I would say that if anyone out there is thinking about you know, the, the tools, you know, and maybe there's a barrier of, I don't wanna learn any tools, I'm not sure which ones to use. I think the, the ones you've mentioned, um, especially Perusal and Padlet, they're collaborative. So it's, it's a way to increase engagement with students and with the content, um, but that can be applied. You know, once you learn the tool, you can use it in different courses or in different ways. So if you just choose one or two, I think that could carry you through pretty far. Yeah, because otherwise it's, you know, drinking from a fire hose, there's so much out there. You can't even, uh, you know, and, and it's easy to get just frozen. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that really is wise. Just pick one or two or ask a trusted colleague what they like, use a few things. And then when you've got a little more bandwidth, maybe add in some more um as you go but um really i think you want to the biggest thing is that whatever tools you use you want to use them well yes you know it doesn't help to use 25 different tools poorly it, it works much better to have two or three you use well yes that's a pull quote for this episode definitely <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you haven't used uh perusal out there dear listeners uh perusal is a collaborative sort of reading tool where you can post pdfs and and there's also a little uh, surveillance that happens on the teacher side where you can see how much students are engaging with certain topics and different articles or videos that you post to them. So it is for those that have used it, I hear it's good for preparing for a conversation and to know what students have um, read or watched or otherwise experienced and then to be able to come into a conversation and not have that very awkward, so did everyone read the article? <laughs> silence conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah. I hear sometimes from folks that they feel like engaging with students online is more difficult than it is in the classroom, but it's those moments that I think are actually enhanced because you don't have to come in totally unaware of what your students have been doing in the time that <laughs> since you've last met, if you're working on a shared Google Doc or you have a perusal or you have some other kind of collaborative thing where you can get some insight on that. Um, I find that conversation very awkward when I, when I walk in. So the article and then nothing happens. <laughs> I am never quite sure what to do after that. <laughs> so it's, it can be helpful. Yeah. Now I am the uh, I'm the mother of a seven year old, and uh, you work with elementary education mm -hmm. majors, right? Have your students shared with you, or have you asked them, you know, for any information about how what they're learning? Because you talked about your experience as a student, not really being sure how how these things happened. How transparent are you with your students about increasing different kinds of engagement and how they might use that with, say, a seven year old second grade audience? <laughs> Yeah, we do a lot of that. And it, and not just me, my colleagues do. Um, it, you know, we all are trying to help our students um, see how the tools that we're using and the pedagogies that we employ translate to their own teaching out there in the real world with kids, right? So um, that is something we do a lot. And um, a lot of times, like if I use a Padlet, I might say, okay, so how could you use this in a fourth grade classroom? How could you use this in a second grade classroom? Um, and, and how have you seen it used? Because I think it's a mistake to assume that our students um, don't already know a lot about the technologies that are used or don't already have those insights because they teach me every bit as much as I teach them. They'll share tools. Um, in fact, uh, Leah Nilius had a um, put together a technology showcase with our student teachers oh about a month ago where they kind of um, came in and shared with other ed students and other campus um, uh, participants different tools that they used when they student taught and how they use them to build community or to assess or whatever it might be. Um, so they have a lot of really valuable insight, but we always try to, uh, we're kind of teaching it, it on two levels in education. We're, we're teaching college students, but we're also trying to model the kinds of pedagogies we hope they employ. So um, we're always mindful of that. And um, I think they appreciate it. That's great. I love that showcase. You know, it, it, it brings that sort of collegial, the same questions and, and issues you're bringing to your colleagues you're bringing to your students and then they're working together. Uh, technology is the great equalizer. No one knows how to use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, I think that that could be helpful too for um, professors who are maybe a little nervous about digging deeper into technologies that, that might not be well understood or that they feel like they're you know, not as up to speed on. I know you, you've talked a lot about how folks who are brand new to this are your people that are all <laughs> learning yeah. together, but I think it's part of that black boxing too, that students don't always know. You know, we assume that they're very technologically savvy and that they know how things work and that the, just the interface maybe of an app can be ported to different things. And that's not necessarily true. So being able to bring, bring that level to each other where we're all talking about, you know, what does this do? How can, can, can we use this? It's a lot different than coming into 
you know, a, a course with a, a highly theoretical article, which you've been reading for, you know, how many ever years and it's brand new to them. That's now we have a more unequal approach to the tools that we're using. And this might be a way to, um, well, I don't know, just make it, make all kinds of learning more accessible to students where they don't feel like they, they have to catch up on so much as we're all, we're learning together, I think. Yeah, and you know, it makes me think when, when you were talking about that, that something that has been, I think, really helpful this semester and last semester too is um, videos and not videos that are like out there, I want you to watch for the content, but like if I make just quick videos that explain an assignment um, or say, here's what I'm really looking for with this, or that give a quick recap. So, so far, this is what we've talked about and this is where we're headed next. Um, or here's how you cite something correctly using APA um, or whatever it might be. Like making those really quick one, two minute videos um, and asking students to watch those or at least having them available as a resource. I know for sure I've helped a few students. I've had students just email me a quick question. I'll throw together a super quick video send it back and say, this will make more sense probably than if I try to type it out in an email. And it's like a light bulb goes off and they go, oh, all right, okay, I get it. And, and they really, I've had a number of students say that they really appreciate that as well. Um, so it, you know, it really, it's all about making the content accessible and understandable for everybody. Uh, and that happens in myriad ways. So um, let's explore those and try and make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And just a tech tip for anybody listening. If you start your own Google Meet and press record and turn the captions on, now you've got a very accessible video for your students because they will be able to read what you are saying, but also be able to see you. And I think that too, that might be another advantage, slight a slight advantage over in person is that if you're creating videos, especially ones that are explaining something, students can go back and watch that part over and over again. If they've missed it in class, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to recall that later, especially you know after class is over and they've moved on to different activities. So. Yeah, I think that's that's really great. And I, I love the, the thoughtful way that you've approached how to present content to students and how to keep them engaging uh, with each other and with you and the content uh, in a way that, that meets them where they're at and also honors where you are at in your online teaching and learning journey. Right. And with that, you know, I'd love to know, looking forward maybe to... Um, what semester are we in? <laughs> looking, <laughs> forward, <laughs> you know, uh, looking forward uh, to the end of spring and coming into fall. What are, and, and this answer could be, I'm looking forward to things being exactly the same as they are right now and not changing at all. But what are you looking forward to in the fall in terms of your teaching and learning? You know, um, I just threw my name in the hat for an exploration of um, OERs. Um, and so I'm going to open educational resources, I think is the acronym. Um, and so I'm going to be digging into that this summer. I know the foot course had us look at that, but it was just for a minute. <laughs> and then we right. kind of moved on and there was so much available. It was really hard to even wrap our minds around, at least for me, it was hard for me to wrap my mind around how I would even use some of that information. Mm. So I'm super excited about looking at that um, and bringing those kinds of resources into class more. Um, and I am signed up 
as far as I know, to teach all in person in the fall. But I really don't think I'll be stepping away from a lot of the technologies that I've been using so far. Um, I think there's a way to really beautifully blend it all. Um, and so I don't know what the fall um, may bring. I'm hoping that we can physically be back in person and, you know, and so forth. But um, I know that um, if we're not, or if, if some students can be there and some students can't, I, I, you know, I feel like I can maybe kind of handle that at this point. <laughs> that's, as, that's as confident as I'm willing to be right now. Um, but I, I do think that, um, that using more um, open educational resources, using the tools that I've already been using, I think those are just going to be part of my pedagogy going forward. Um, and, and really making, you know, and you, you said this too, making it accessible to all students. I love the idea of the, having the, the, the captioning on the videos and all those kinds of things. Like how can we ensure that every student has an equitable shot at being successful in class? That's really what it all comes down to. Um, so I think, you know, whatever the fall holds, and we all know better than to think we know what's gonna happen in the future now, right? Exactly. Um, but whatever the fall holds, I think as long as we keep pretty much anchored to those kinds of principles, um, it'll all work out. And I, I always, you know, whenever something goes beautifully, technologically in class, I always say, it's a technological triumph today, people, you know, I'm <laughs> so happy about it, right? But it yeah. doesn't always go that way. And, you know, that's okay. The other day we were meeting online in one of my classes, they wanted to meet online. I said, all right, no problem. Um, and my my Wi-Fi went out and I was kicked out of the Zoom. <laughs> Shoot. Um, oh, no. Yeah, well, you know, but we were in the midst of a discussion. And when I came back, they were still having a discussion. They were just mm. carrying. And I thought, okay, um, my work here is done. So uh, they, you know, they're, they, they've, they're very understanding. And they know that sometimes things don't go well, but they just roll with it for the most part. So... Yes, technological hiccups don't necessarily have to be pedagogical failures. Exactly. Oh, there <laughs> we go. There we go. I Put like that it. on a t-shirt. I like it. I like it. That'll be my bumper sticker. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, if, if any of our listeners want to learn more about open educational resources, check out episode two of CTALK. Uh, there's a discussion with Chris Sweet who takes us through uh, what he's been working on in terms of open educational resources. Well, Penny, thank you Perfect. so much for speaking yeah. with me today. I know everyone's going to learn a lot um, from what you have. Again, in the show notes, we'll have all the information that you need and how to get a hold of Penny in case you want to ask some questions and see how you can benefit from the lessons she's learned in her online teaching and learning journey this year. Penny, thank you so much for being on C-Talk today. Thanks, Kate. It was fun. Thank you for listening to C-Talk. If you have any feedback for us or ideas for future episodes, let us know at ctal.iwu.edu. You can find the show notes for this and all our other episodes at iwu.edu slash ctalk.